Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the new show powered by hometown.com. Today is February 26th, 2024, Season 3, Episode 57. Today we're going to be talking about these 10 articles, my titles, but the information that we talk about is from aggregated sources from around the internet and the world. Uh, how We're going to start with a Christmas tree what? about detecting fingerprints and an AI powered robot dog and an AI generated clickbait factory and sued over purple uh, post office scandal that we've been talking about. We're going to update you surge pricing the dystopian food wars. I got out of bed this morning, glowing sand that isn't sand. And why do we still print cash? Hello everybody, I am Marwat. that is hometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that it may or may not work. Go. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hello. Oh, you're talking about the citizens. Hello, citizens. Good evening, Mayor Watt. Uh, we've got all 10 of the articles all set up, so yeah, I'm, I don't know, I put it all together, so we, I guess we might as well do it, right? Um, the very first article for today is broken. Not just kidding. Um, so the first article is over in hometown daily. A woman lost her $823,000 injury claim after lawyers found a photo of her winning a Christmas tree throwing competition. Okay, I don't think the funny thing is the loss of the claim. I think the fact that there's a Christmas tree throwing competition is the real takeaway here. If you're gonna have a Christmas tree throwing competition, not only is it just a competition, but it's the throwing championship in Weidenthal, Germany. Um, so apparently, <laughs> the whole thing is just meme level. Uh, okay. So Camilla grabs a, a Christmas tree, apparently, and then threw it. Sorry, no. Camilla Grabska <laughs> is her, is their name. Um, was photographed taking part in a similar competition in Ennis, Ireland, per the Irish Independent. But a participant hurls a spruce tree at the 16th uh, World Christmas Tree Throwing Championship in Weidenthal, Germany. That's the caption for a picture that we're about to see. Anyway, oh, a woman in Ireland a and a woman in Ireland lost her $823,000 injury claim due to a photo of her throwing a Christmas tree. I don't know if that's this is just a participant in Weidenthal, Germany, but I if there's going to be a Christmas tree tossing tournament, I suppose Germany would be kind of like Yeah, I mean they have everybody. the Chris Mark uh I forgot what they're called, but the Christmas markets. Chris Kringle Mart. Yeah. yeah so um, she'd been in a car accident in 2017 that ha she said had left her unable to work for years. Wow. But so I'm really curious when this actually took place. So she wasn't in an accident. She claimed that she couldn't work. She was 36 years old. She sued the RSA insurance uh, company, I guess, uh, agency, uh, over what she said were back and neck pains from said car crash. Uh, Grabska some cash and said that she couldn't carry her children, finish ba basic chores, or lift a heavy bag. 
and that, at times, she needed her medication to be brought to her in bed due to the pain. I guess the Sounds pain like she's trying to get out of some tasks around the house. Have it, yeah, just do your chores, lady. So, but a photo shown to the high, Irish High Court in Limerick featured Grabska chucking a Christmas tree in January of 2018, a year, not even a year after. Uh, well, 2017. So sometime in 2017 is when her accident was. And by January 2018, she was the arbiter of upright trees. No, you shall not be an upright tree. I'm going to toss you over here. Apparently, they were a resident of the town of Ennis. How many people are in Ennis? I don't know. Uh, was one of the people photographed tossing a five-foot spruce tree at the local tree-throwing competition. <laughs> Uh, a 2018 you know, article just a riot. named her as the victor in the ladies event. Ladies? Oh, that's what did her in, right? She got like first place extreme attention or whatever. By the way, it, according to Wikipedia, is, has about 28,000 people in Ennis. No, it's kind of a small place. But I guess size is but subjective. That's why it was known, right? Folks. Um, okay, uh, yeah, so it was because there was, <laughs> they were in a yellow I bet jacket. all the local pubs knew she was on disability or whatever the equivalent is. That's the term in the U.S. But. Wow. So, yeah, it is a very large natural Christmas tree and it is being thrown by her in a very agile movement. I'm afraid I cannot but conclude the claims were entirely exaggerated. So early in the show for No Shit News. The footage was taken from, or in November of 2023, the Telegraph reported, but the court also has shown Grabska for some cash uh, playing with a Dalmatian in a park for about 90 minutes. The Irish Independent reported, if you're gonna do this stuff, at least make it a little bit difficult. I mean, <laughs> this would have been so easy um, for me to catch this person because they're so obvious, like they're just going about their exactly. day. Exactly. So you could have just followed them probably for a day and maybe you wouldn't have caught them on Christmas tree throwing day, but maybe they would have been right. doing roofing or whatever, whatever they're doing. Yeah. Grab skin some cash somewhere else. I suppose. I don't know. Pretty wild. What a trip. All right, so that article has been thrown into the show notes. Come on over to Twitch, folks. Twitch.tv slash hometown. Hang out. Uh, the show is normally on at 8 o'clock, uh, but sometimes I try and get them earlier, get it done earlier, um, and maybe make room for an 8 o'clock show. I don't know. Testing the waters. See if anybody is interested in coming to the 7 o'clock show. Let me know. Send an email to mayorathometown.com. If I get enough interest, then I'll shifted over to seven o'clock pretty flexible about the time um all right let's keep on going though uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel scientists develop biocompatible fluorescent spray that detects fingerprints in 10 seconds i think it's kind of weird that a fluorescent spray can detect fingerprints maybe highlight them is a better word but 
Scientists have developed a water-soluble, non-toxic fluorescent spray that makes fingerprints visible in just a few seconds, making forensic investigations safer, easier, and quicker. Um, and having done this kind of work before, um, trying to find where somebody derped and stuck their finger is quite interesting. You have to think like a criminal and then go, hmm, if I'm going to try and do this or that, where would I grab this, that, or the other? Um, yeah. So I've actually, uh, I've actually told police that the person this during, a, the an initial review of the scene, you know, right there is where they touched. And that was sure enough, exactly where the best <laughs> print came from. So quite, quite fascinating that they could now spray a little fluorescent spray and ta-da, it'll glow like a little glow bug. University of Bath over at fizz.org uh, put the article together. Scientists develop biocompatible fluorescent spray that detects fingerprints in 10 seconds. Let me throw this into the chat. I'm going to try and get ahead of this. My objective is to be able to kind of slice these little articles segments up so that we can throw them into uh, TikTok faster. So latent fingerprints or LFPs are invisible prints formed by sweat. It's usually oil and your fingerprints have most people just see the fingerprint the ridge but in the ridge are little sebaceous glands glands that actually exude oil and that's what this fingerprint is made of um so uh, it's left on an object after it's been touched it's also called transfer of some kind sometimes uh, traditional forensic methods for detecting fingerprints either use toxic powders that can harm DNA evidence or environmentally damaging petrochemical solvents. The new dye spray uh, developed by scientists at the Shanghai Normal University, as opposed to the abnormal university that I went to. Um, <laughs> I was the university say, of, which one would you prefer? <laughs> I would probably go to abnormal. Seems like it's going to be more fun. Depends on the proximity to bad bats. Um, and the University of Bath is water soluble, exhibits low toxicity, so it's still toxic, but hey, it won't hurt you that much. And enables rapid visualization of fingerprints at the crime scene. They have created two different colored dyes called LFP yellow and LFP red, which bind selectively with the negatively charged molecules found in fingerprints, locking the dye molecules in place and emitting a fluorescent glow that can be seen under blue light. Pretty cool. That's very neat. Um, based on fluorescent protein found in jellyfish called green fluorescent protein or GFP. Wow. All of these acronyms, they didn't have to reach really hard. What? It's okay. It's fluorescing. It is a protein. What color? Huh? Green. It's a green fluorescent protein. Let's call it a GFP. Uh, which is used extensively in research um, by research scientists to visualize biological processes. Fingerprints are often used as forensic evidence to identify suspects at a crime scene. This is a little video that's attached to this. Um, I wonder, I'm going to mute it and see. Let's see. It's only, uh, it's a minute long. I won't be able to run this the whole time, but let's see if we can. 
at least highlight it somewhere. Do they highlight it at all? No, they don't show it. Maybe for a split second somewhere? Oh, right here. No, not really. Yeah, I mean, it's an oddball way that they show it, but anyway, it's right there. And they kind of zoom in on it um, so you can actually see some of the lines, um, the ridges and the whorls. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I, this looks like fun. So do you think this will speed up um, crime scene investigations? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, as long as the material is, it does not contaminate, but it says it's a protein, but if it has a, it binds to a protein, if it has anything to do with actual biological uh, functions, it's going to contaminate it, or they're going to have to figure out a way to remove it as a control. Uh, but this is what it looks like. Fingerprints can be visualized uh, a few seconds after spraying. And I think that right there is really the big um, speed that the source of the increase because what what you have to do now is train and train and train and train and train to get the powder put on the ridges without destroying the print um, and it takes some experience and wisdom in how to apply it the right way and this is a split second you just spray you wait Take a picture and off you go. You and as long as it's high enough resolution of a picture, you could time immemorial. It would be sitting there like that. I, I, so I don't know exactly how long this um, will stay fluorescing. If it's always fluorescing under blue light, then this thing is actually pretty amazing because you could come back, you know, a significant time later, or have the evidence sitting there in the evidence locker come back and just look at it again and it doesn't it's not going to get damaged if it's protected whereas dust on the on a fingerprint can smudge um, plus it or, does damage to the place which could matter if it's a residence or something right. or a workplace it contaminates it with the little powder um okay let me do something real quick okay so let's go on to the next this is pretty cool uh, this next article is over in the Reality Hacker channel. Uh, who knows, it might actually appear in the next Reality Hacker, which got blocked, <laughs> by the way, um, because apparently somewhere in there is a, some political whatever. Um, anyway, this AI robot, <laughs> this AI powered robot dog looks like something from the Terminator. Domo Arigato Roboto Doggo. It's not my statement. It's from the article. Digital friends put this article together mark jansen is the author this looks more friendly than other iterations of these robot dogs and they all of the robot dogs have the same four-legged mechanic i don't know how boston dynamics um how their legal department is actually like did they license this stuff and everybody's doing it their design because um, everything seems to come out looking like the same format it's the same damn dog. So Techno Mobile, Techno Mobile has taken to the uh, Mobile World Congress 2024 to announce the Techno Dynamic One, a robotic and AI enhanced dog reigniting the futuristic sci-fi dream for millions of nerds. Eh, that's kind of... Anyway, 
Um, painstakingly, painstakingly created to emulate a real dog as closely as possible. It's designed based on the German Shepherd breed. This can't be that then. Um, Plus, its its legs don't go backwards on German Shepherds. It's, this is just all kinds of weird. I don't know. Cooling system with dynamic one's knees allow the robot to copy dog movements, letting it climb stairs, bow. I, and I suppose, wow. Bow, bow wow. Anyway. Bow and wow. Um, and offer a paw for handshakes. Four microphones work with an AI algorithm within the dog's head. Um, yeah, that's what it looks like. It doesn't look anything like a damn German Shepherd. Anyway, Wi-Fi 6, 64 gigs of storage, Bluetooth 5.2% um, support. It seems like it's going to be uh, a computer that has AI attached to it and maybe a subscription. You have to pay you know, $24.95, otherwise it'll eliminate you in your sleep. Well, I was thinking you had to pay if you wanted it to deliver you, you know, your newspaper or your slippers or give me a beer item. Uh, but outside the cool cyberpunk aesthetic, this could be a way to offer companionship to people who might not otherwise be able to adopt a regular dog. Yeah. You know, I don't want to clean up little digital poos either. So talk about it doesn't require walking either, bits. at least not with you involved. It could walk itself, I guess. All right, fine. I guess that's what, okay. I'll let's get that. I'll, I'm up for getting a, a robotic dog. That would be fine. Because, yeah. Do you think it'll entertain real pets? It might. Who knows? Or scare them into submission. Hmm. Might be interesting. We'll look into how much it costs. Anyway, Mark Jansen over at digitaltrends.com put the article together. Let's keep going. Or not. Come on. Uh, the next article is again in Reality Hacker. A small Iowa newspaper's website became a, an AI-generated clickbait factory when two former Meta employees dug into why the website of Iowa Clay, Iowa's Clayton County Register was spewing dubious posts about stocks. They uncovered a network of sites slinging seemingly AI-made content. So the article is over at Wired. You have to have an account um, at some point. Uh, so it's kind of a soft paywall, but you don't have to pay and create an account. Um, when And so this uh, article talks about um, basically a, a, a click farm, a clickbait farm. Let me grab this and throw it into chat. By the way, all three of yesterday's episodes are up in uh, YouTube and uh, the well, you know, Wanted doesn't have a, a podcast yet, but it's over on YouTube. Um, but Continuity Report and Hometown Daily News is over in the podcast as well. But you can get all three over at YouTube. Um, so this article is talking about AI generated clickbait. Uh, one day last year, Tony Easton Google, the pharmaceutical company that seemed to be promising investment. One of the first search results served up its news tab was listed as uh, coming from the Clayton, Clayton County Register, a newspaper in northeastern Iowa. He clicked and read. The story was garbled and devoid of useful information and 
So were all of the other finance-themed posts filling the site, which had absolutely nothing to do with Northeastern Iowa. They knew that something was off, so they started investigating. Easton was primed to find online uh, mysteries irresistible. After years in the U.S. Air Force working on psychological warfare campaigns, he joined Meta. Yikes. Well, right. I'm afraid to know why he was recruited there. So Easton <laughs> reached out to Sandeep Abraham, a friend and former Meta colleague who previously worked in Army Intelligence and for the National Security Agency. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm scared. Uh, I guess everybody needs to job needs a job. Um, what the pair uncovered provides a snapshot of how generative AI is enabling deceptive new online business models. Networks of websites uh, crammed with AI-generated clickbait are being built by preying on the reputations of established media outlets and brands. The problem, though, is when you have a bunch of junk out there, if it doesn't, if people don't click on it to go to it and actually refer back to it, click on it again, it doesn't rise to the top. So I'm not quite sure how this actually was made manifest. Because yeah, just because you the have, odd piece of the article, right? It was like in the top of the results. Yeah, I, and I just don't see how that's possible, because uh, people would have to click on it. Google would have to uh, accept that site as being a functional site, and every time people click on it, it changes the rating of that site, and then others have to like uh, connect to it. So if it has all of these other domains they're all pointing at each other it's a closed unit i suspect google looks for that kind of stuff and would downgrade the level of quality of, of the pages because i know that even hometown gets like dinged periodically for certain things looking functioning a certain way so how would this actually be fully functional and a net positive for traffic do you think there's an advertisement at the top of the results or like sponsored or something? I mean, it still doesn't make sense about what you were saying, right? Like they should have been onto that site. Yeah, it's weird. Although Easton and Abraham suspect the uh, network was, which the register's old site is now part of, was created with straightforward money-making goals. They fear that the more malicious actors could use the same resort or same sort of tactics to push misinformation and propaganda. So they kind of slippery slope their way into but they say that that initial link was the clayton county register not right but it wasn't being used anymore this reminds me of the um feature that we had about the lottery uh, the lottery yeah. the, um it was a the, gambling um, site right yes exactly that it originally belonged to a state oh the the um license plates right yeah so the uh, a state had license plates and then they abandoned essentially abandoned the domain they didn't re keep registering it um and then a gambling company scooped it up in like taiwan or something uh philippines i think and then yeah. all the license plates were still advertising the site. yeah exactly yeah that's pretty funny but they mentioned down here that which uh suspect the network which the registers old site is now part of was created they're not talking about there's a website called register they're they're not talking about that site they're talking about 
the Iowa register or whatever it is, right? Clayton County register. Um, that, that they shouldn't have put that there. Anyway, it says this is massively threatening and that basically the end of the world can happen because somebody can manipulate this, but the internet has always been like this. You have to, you know, do some due diligence and critical thinking and don't just click on random shit. Um, they faked the news. The Clayton County register was founded in 19, uh, sorry, 1926 and covered the small town of Ecuador or a cater Iowa and wider Clayton County, which nestled against the Mississippi river and the state's Northeastern corner. It was a popular paper. Former co-editor Bryce Durbin described himself as disgusted by what it, now is the former website address ClaytonCountyRegister.com. The real Clayton County Register merged in 2020 with the North Iowa Times to become the Times Register, which publishes at a different website, but they don't name the website. They do and point to Gutenberg that they didn't keep that website and reroute it. <sighs> they have a link to GutenbergPress.com. Oh, that's interesting. It's not clear how Do the paper launched. Do you think that's another it. AI site? <laughs> how did they get GutenbergPress.com? It is the North Iowa Clayton County Times Register. So the North Iowa Times and the Clayton County Register merged together. But they are housed at a website with the domain name GutenbergPress.com. Unusual. That is very unusual. And the name, the actual name of the um, website, that address, like there's a little name tag, you know, on the top of every page when you go to it. If it's properly constructed, it tells you what it is, right? So, like, Wired says Wired has a favicon and says the title of the article, how a small blah blah blah. Same thing with Omtown. This just says Courier Press. Okay, that's really strange since that's not the same name. Right. I mean, it's not the same newspaper name. Yeah, that, oh, you know what? I can show it. I can show it. So this is what it looks like. Courier Press, North Iowa Times, Clayton County Register, the Gutenberg Press. It's located at Gutenberg Press and says Courier Press at the top. I think it's three separate newspapers and they're either merged or using the same hosting or something that's really strange yeah courier press down here wow well, this that is doesn't like... help with the confusion no wonder everybody's going to that other website <laughs> nobody knows anything whoever it is that set that paper up needs to just hey you know what i'm free i'll i'll talk to you about it that is so damn confusing. I don't know how anybody can find that popular. Anyway, it's not, uh, it says by what's now published at the uh, former web address of ClaytonCountyRegister.com. They highlight that, but then this is the one that they link to, which looks like a hot mess. Anyway, not only are there articles that they looked at generated by AI, but the images included in the article were all created using diffusion models, says Ben Coleman, CEO of deepfake detection startup Reality Defender, which ran an analysis on several articles at Wired's request. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. So they discovered um, when Easton and Abraham 
started their investigation in November 2023, the journalist database Muckrack showed that he had bylined an eye-popping 15,000 roughly separate news articles in his career, including 50 published the day that they checked. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> all of it's fake. I wonder how long articles were, a few words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we don't go through the entirety of the article, like line by line and talk about it, but um, they do a deep dive. They don't know who it is that's doing it, but they're looking at various uh bits of data in the background when you do some due diligence about domains. One of the other sites within the wider network was about Xinjiang, uh, um, which this pops up quite often, Xinjiang. Um, it is a, a place in China. Um, and yeah, it has, I guess, politically motivated um, claims and statements. Anyway, Google claims to have systems in place to address attempts to game search rankings by buying expired domains and says that it considers um, using AI to create articles with the express purpose of ranking well to be spam. Um, the tactics described as used with these sites are largely in violation of search spam policies because yeah, they're fake. <laughs> um, but if they have a policy that AI generated content is considered spam, they're in for a world of hurt because they're going to have to parse their entire system because a lot of AI content is generated every day and showing up in search results. I'm sure I could find it if I just go looking for it. Yeah, I think that I don't really worry about it because, uh, well, I, I trust but verify and if I can't verify any of that stuff then I think that it's just bullshit opinion um, so I'll kick it to the curb but uh, this article is really neat and uh, I'll go back and read more of it as we go um, through the week this is this is gonna be interesting to see just how expansive it is but AI generated content is coming folks and it's getting more sophisticated let's keep going Uh, the next article is over in Hatch Ideas. It has to do with business. Tony's Chocoloni. Chocoloni, right? Tony's Chocoloni. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah. Chocoloni, right? Chocolate. Lonely? Or Chocoloni? I don't know. Sued by Milka, the Milka maker over the color purple. So if you've never seen a Milka brand um chocolate bar it's actually purple if i remember it right it's been a while since i saw it uh, but mandela's is taking legal action against the chocoloni chocolonely uh, maker over its latest campaign and there you have it sam gruitt over at bbc.com put the article together um hmm why not, would they show a purple one? <laughs> oh. Not purple. By farmers, not lawyers, not purple. Tony's included an pay image farmers. showing... Huh? It says pay farmers. Oh, I thought it said... I, I guess my brain corrected it for buy. Pay farmers, not lawyers, not purple. Tony's, I guess, made an ad that responded to the legal action alongside a statement that it posted on LinkedIn with the slogan, pay farmers, not lawyers. 
Well, you know, the context of this really does matter. Uh, Mondelez, uh, or Mondelez said it owned a color trademark in Europe. We can confirm that the current legal issue is limited only to a trademark infringement matters and concerns as a matter of practice to protect the value of their brand, which they've worked hard to build. It's called goodwill. And yes, they have to protect their brand. A color, that's going to be really tough. It has to be usually a unique color, not one that's already in a palette somewhere that anybody can use with or without licensing. Um, but to trademark a color, just it, uh, the swath of color, just, I've always hated that. Um, uh, what is it? Breast cancer? What is it? Oh, that? yeah, with the ribbon, the pink ribbon. Yeah, they have a particular shade of... Um, sorry, I think you're really quiet again. The, um, that particular shade can't be used by anybody. And so, but it's world famous and people know. Um, so the color purple, which has been branded packaging in question, a parody on the iconic Milka bar, uh, has since been replaced with gray. It added that it planned on appealing the injunction, but would comply by changing the packaging for as long as we need to adding let's pay farmers not lawyers well so that's interesting if they were actually parroting the other brand no 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 they weren't parroting what they did was right the article okay. says that it's a parody R right but it was after they started marketing something with purple right so it didn't start out it. with that. It changed it to let's pay farmers, not lawyers, because they had a campaign where it was purple. Oh, I thought the purple was the parody the way it was written. Right. So Tony's has launched four new temporary wrappers inspired by well-known bars such as Milka, as well as chocolate bars, or sorry, chocolate made by other firms, including Mars. So all of these look like other brands. I'm surprised that they didn't, get i mean this is a the, the pick me attention grab of 2024 yeah you know why make it look like other people's products unless you are trying to get sued yeah i think we can name some of these products just by looking at them yeah i'm afraid that's like Kit Kat, right yep that's toblerone in the middle that's um Twix and that's probably for a share. Yeah, you know, I mean it it looks pretty obvious, right? This being purple though, um, is Milka. Um, the other bars in the campaign look similar to Kit Kat, which is made by Nestle, a Twix produced by Mars, an ambassador's favorite Ferrero Rocher, uh, owned by Italy's Ferrero. So we know what they are, and the reason why we know what they are is because of their billions of dollars in marketing and goodwill that was created around the product being of quality. Tony's is just kind of, you know, Oh, I want to be picked too. Let me look like them, but parodying parody for commercial purposes. The reason why you do parody, is to mock them, not to steal their goodwill. And that is what I think it really is coming across as. 
they were like them. You know, it's not a parody. You can call something parody, but if it, people don't look at it and go, oh, look, it's parody, it's not parody. Commenting on the campaign, Dutch-based Tony's Chocoloni said, most big chocolate companies don't pay a living income price for all their cocoa, resulting in exploitation in cocoa farms with 1.56 million children involved in child labor in Ghana and Cote the Ivory Coast. Um, Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. So the, right? It is, hold yes. on. Yeah. Okay. Cote d'Ivoire. Right. Um, so hold on. I want to see something. Keep talking. If you can. What do you want to talk about? Um, so, I mean, it's interesting because this is a brand that actually is about good initiatives. So it's not quite clear to me why it's going down this path. Because I think what they're trying to draw attention to is, hey, let's buy um, responsibly sourced cocoa, etc. Yeah, why not build around that, damn it? Why sit there and, and riff off of other people's goodwill? And they're like, well, we're going to um, make this commentary, but why not build your own brand? It's kind of like Apple. You know, everybody sits there and compares themselves against Apple and drops their name right next to Apple all the time. Hey, uh, you know, our quality is just as good as Apple, blah, 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 blah. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Apple is not looking at all of the competitors and dropping their name next to Apple's. They're not comparing themselves. They're standing out on their own quality and, and messaging. So Tony should really be hyping up their brand and say in your own brand with your own trade dress, with your own uh, marks, we pay farmers, right? Really? Well, what about the graphic designers? The graphic designers that have been doing all of the work for KitKat and Mars, etc. They all put money into all of this and you usurped their goodwill by trading off of the brand identity. Well, so that's interesting. Maybe they only care about the farmers. <laughs> only the farmers. That's right. Think of the children that and that's the thing. You know, you always end up going down the slippery slope thing. Think of the children. Right. But we need to change society as a whole. You know, it, <laughs> you're, you're, you're parodying other competitors in a space. You want to really fix it. Then why don't you parody something that doesn't lead to your business benefiting from the, uh, sudden contentiousness of brand identity you want to end up in a courtroom save your legal battle use your own trade dress use your own marketing take all of that money that you would be paying to attorneys because you do this stupid move and donate it to a cause or better yet you know give it directly to the people in ghana and coat the of war I don't know that it just seems like they were looking for a fight. I'm going to go and pick on the biggest dogs in the neighborhood. I mean, is it part of the, um, no advertise, um, 
no, no press. No, no press is bad press or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no press is bad press because if anybody's talking about it, then everybody's talking about it and that's easy money. Yep, that's exactly what I think it is. Okay, let's keep going. It's enough that I soapbox about this. This next one's going to be really quick because it's just an update. This is in the Hatch Ideas channel as well. It's because it has to do with business. Post office scandal victims set to be cleared by new law. Some of them have passed away, so I'm going to resurrect I them. I know, I'm not sure they're going to exactly benefit from it. I'm not laughing at that, but it's like, where's the benefit to the individual? Yeah, the scumbaggery of this is astonishing, and I hope that the estates of the people who um, suffered irrevocably will be able to find some closure and be made whole losing somebody while they are in a state of what amounts to public shame um, and, you know, disrepute, they, <laughs> it's going to take years before anybody, all of this actually shakes out entirely. So Nick Edzer over at BBC.com put this article together. So this is something that took place in the UK um, and is entirely bound around a piece of software that was knowingly implemented with statistical flaws in it in its financial uh, accounting um, programs its subroutines it, it was known to have flaws but people were still 900 people were still accused of theft at varying levels treated as criminals fired couldn't go and get jobs because they were sitting there hey, where did you work last oh at the post office why did you get let go because i was accused of stealing from the till well uh, many of them were incarcerated Correct. for many years yeah between 1999 and 2015 more than 900 sub postmasters were wrongly prosecuted due to faulty software incorrect information provided by a computer system called horizon developed by japanese firm fujitsu which basically has gone dark about it um and, and and they actually go well it's still under investigation it's being uh, uh, managed blah 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 no 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 you know what fujitsu should be dissolved entirely um, i was gonna say i predict like a bankruptcy or something like it has to go completely no way and just reconstitute nope it is huge it isn't going anywhere i mean this is a pretty big we've seen some pretty bad conduct from companies but yeah. on this scale yeah this in is modern a, times it's astonishing i'm not talking about like wartime or something really egregious but i mean this is this is affected almost a thousand people's families yeah it was amazing so some postmasters caught up in the scandal have died or taken their own lives in intervening years so far 102 convictions have been overturned that's it they should have summarily dismissed all of them. And then you go back based on the evidence, the fact finding, which you won't be able to do because it's corrupted. The forensic evidence of it is, uh, it is. And even in the unlikely event that somebody actually did steal. Right. I mean, none right. of the software was legitimate. Right. So that's why I said, yeah, the forensic data there is corrupt. You will not be able to, any attorney would sit there and go, we don't know. <laughs> so 
So he called the post office helplines, was given little support. He spent more than 12,000 pounds of his own money to make up for the shortfalls and eventually delayed some of the transactions to try to balance the books. He was convicted of false accounting in 2002 and had to do 200 hours of community service, even though it was the software itself. That's Keith Bell. Um, he didn't challenge his conviction at the time. He didn't have the means to take on the post office and he believed he had been at fault. But now the 75 year old wants his name cleared and expects his conviction to be quashed. I expect him to get a lifetime of compensation. I agree. Um, and to the families as well, for those that aren't around, I mean, this is, um, well, I can't think of what that word is like pardoning or, or whatever is not enough. Right. Yeah. I don't want any of these people to ever have to say, yeah, I was convicted of something, but it was quashed after an investigation. It is too much storytelling there. If they want to sit there and get drunk and tell the story in a bar somewhere, fine. But if they want if whatever happens like, uh, well, how come you were unemployed from this year to this year? You say, well, it's because I uh, had a financial windfall due to some software and leave it at that. But everybody knows, you know, oh, that software was Horizon completely shitting on people. So they said that they're relieved they're going to quash all of the convictions, which is long overdue. It's a relief to be able to talk to friends. It's a relief to be able to look people in the eye now. They were never at fault. They capitulated because they didn't have the financial means to defend themselves against a juggernaut. Um, and if you try to go after Fujitsu, it's part and parcel to the government. So Japanese government, it's going, it's a juggernaut as well. But yeah, Japanese government isn't going to allow that to... Um, collapse no way no way so announcing the plans postmaster uh post office sorry here in the states it's postmaster but post office minister uh kevin hollenrake said the legislation was likely to exonerate a number of people who were in fact guilty of a crime which they shouldn't even utter that sentence they should just shut the hell up put their tail between their legs and say we are exonerating all of the people who were caught up in this and that's it. Just oh, and that's the word I was trying to think of, exonerate. Yeah. And it shouldn't, I mean, again, exonerate isn't even adequate. So he said the government accept that this is the price worth paying in order to ensure that many innocent people are exonerated. Yeah. Some 700 people were prosecuted by the post office. Another 283 cases were brought by other agencies, including the Crown Prosecution Services and the Department of Work and Pensions. Man. All because Fujitsu and the associates were making money hand over fist for this contract. It didn't actually meet its requirements, but they still pushed it through based on my understanding. Um, and the people that were involved in, in it knew that there was a problem with it and still made it happen. So well, sat there and watched while people were sent to prison yep. or contributed to it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of more. Uh, there are a lot more questions um, over at this BBC article. So please uh, follow the link through hometown. Check it out. Uh, the next article is over in uh, the Mobile channel. And I'm introducing you to the beginning of the dystopian fast food wars 
When Wendy's wants to start Uber-like surge pricing in 2025. Well, we all know who doesn't win the fast food course. Yeah, Wendy's. Because Demolition Man was a documentary. You don't even know how to use the three shells. Uh, Wendy's will start experimenting with surge pricing, much like Uber and Lyft, and Wendy's will never get my business, <laughs> ever, if they do this. As the company rolls out digital menus to all of the United States in 2025, or by 2025, according to the company's February earnings call, under the test, burgers, Frosties, and other menu items will have dynamic prices. Maxwell I mean, Zeff. this is so ridiculous. Maxwell Zeff over at uh, Gizmodo put the article together. Oh, Wendy's, you psychotic redhead. Wendy's will use new digital menu boards to change your burger's price based on overall demand. Kiss my shiny metal ass. Hey, you know what? If you're a franchise or, or whatever, I assume Wendy's is franchised and you're paying the same amount per burger patty to get the supplies, why are you suddenly, and you're paying your workers, you're not paying your workers surge pricing, right? Yeah, surge salary. Why is the customer, <laughs> right, why is the customer paying more? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not like they're going to get a discount when it's empty. Yeah, just because you're freaking busy, it doesn't mean anything. It means you have to have the right number of people and the right supplies in-house. If you run out of burgers because you price them too low, tough shit. But I don't want to go in, and as I get closer to the counter, I see my bill increase 30%. Oh my god, that'll be like when you see your number in line or something, but this will be ticking up the price. Yeah, yeah. You have to order from home. So that by the time you get there, it's cold, but it's cheaper. That's correct, because the pricing is only increasing as you approach. A Wendy's Baconator costs $12.24 in New York City, but under dynamic pricing, the price could fluctuate throughout the day. The burger could increase in price around lunchtime or go down during a slow afternoon. Yeah, Wendy's. Let me tell you who's going to be... Never mind. Anyway, Wendy's did not provide details as to how severely prices could fluctuate. Well, I can see how severely their prices are going to impact their profit margin. I really think that everybody should just embargo, just completely shut down Wendy's. No more. Go in and sit. <laughs> just have a sit in, you know, just don't even bother going to Wendy's anymore. If this is the sociopathic, downright psychopathic, uh, what what happened? What did you just read? Well, I just read the existing price of a burger. <laughs> oh yeah, I said it was twelve dollars. <laughs> like, I missed that. <laughs> twelve dollars and thirty cents in New York, and then it's going to be like fifteen bucks uh, during surge pricing. Come on, stop. Just pause. So it's uh, hardly the first time Wendy's has tried stuff uh, to stuff tech into your biggie bag, whatever the hell. The company had plans to unveil an AI chatbot powered drive through back in May. However, it later came out that the secret technology behind some of the experiences really just humans. The company also announced a fleet of tunnel dwelling self-driving robots to That's help right. deliver the order. Yeah, I remember both of these. 
We had um, those articles in here. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe this is just an attention grab. You know, they don't really plan on doing this. They just talk maybe about you it. need to go get all your frosties before whatever date in 2025. Yeah. If surge prices hit any fast food place, I think all of society should just rise up and volunteer them as tribute. Just be done. We're done with fast food. Screw you. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's good for the consumer, but it's really bad for the workers because what then happens to the workers? They all get laid off. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, but I agree. Consumers cannot agree to surge pricing for food. Yeah, it's like, not that like is they're a very bad precedent. They're not going to get more money that, you know, the people behind the counter aren't getting more money. It's the executive suite or the uh, franchise. Oh, horrible bastards. God. Uh, the next article is over in Hatch Ideas. Prison inmate led scheme swindling U.S. out of $550 million in COVID tax credits, according to feds. I swear, sometimes you just makes you wonder. Uh, so I titled this section, I got out of bed this morning. A prison inmate <laughs> led a scheme swindling the U.S. out of $550 million in COVID tax credits, according to feds. Christopher Thomas, who is also accused of overseeing a drug trafficking operation from his California prison. <laughs> okay, so how did he get COVID any any benefits or credits in his current location well he has a meth and fentanyl drug trafficking operation that was negatively impacted by the covid that's uh, right i mean the, the customers pandemic. weren't buying because they couldn't go out of their houses uh yeah you know um so dan uh, mingan over at uh, cnbc put the article together the inmate christopher thomas was also charged with running a drug trafficking operation from a cell at kern valley state prison that shipped large amounts of meth and uh, and uh, fentanyl to uh, several states and smuggled fentanyl into the prison thomas is a member of mean street mafia crips a los angeles street gang according to um the u.s attorneys Christopher Thomas? Okay. Anyway, um, so Thomas's mother, 55-year-old Katisha Thompson Dozier, and her spouse, Charmaine Dozier, 44, who both live in Waldorf, Maryland, were charged with him in the tax credit scheme, along with Sharon Vance, 36, of Hawthorne, California. This is a, a bi-coastal... <laughs> yes, this is quite the operation. Well... All four of the criminals were charged. Five other people were charged as well with Thomas in the alleged drug trafficking scheme. Thomas, who was 36, has been in prison since 2010. So at age 24, they've been in prison following a murder conviction. Yeah. You know what? Prison is really doing a bang-up job in both punishing and changing the dynamic of crime in America. I mean, this one supplied several co-conspirators, I guess, uh, for this <laughs> individual. Yeah. Um, there's the swamp, folks. Uh, so the credit maximum was $5,000 per employee in 2020 and was increased to 7000 per employee in 2021. 
The employee retention credits became a refundable tax, a federal tax credit for employers during the COVID-19 pandemic to encourage businesses to retain their workers. And so they spun up fake businesses. Um, and in the names of real companies and overstated the wages, number of workers they had, more than 400 payroll tax returns that claim the employer retained uh, these uh, employees and thus got credits. It you was, know, this person had to be reasonably smart to conduct a scheme, so why not apply that towards something positive? Exactly. But that apparently was not enough. He also conspired to pursue over half a billion dollars in federal tax credits that were meant to help struggling businesses during COVID-19. That's all what we were talking about. Um, because he was also distributing over 100 pounds of meth into the community. Wow. And Thomas did all of this apparently through in a prison issued electronic tablet to call numerous romantic partners, family members, and other individuals believed to be involved in drug trafficking. Okay. They identified this when methamphetamine in another state was tied to him. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, DEA agents intercepted those calls and also intercepted text messages showing Thomas communicating about the tax fraud scheme. So they let it kind of float for a while, long enough to gather enough e evidence so that they would, what, put him away longer? Or, or they're going to really put him away this time. They're going to have to put him in isolation inside a Faraday cage. How about don't give him an electronic tablet? Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's un-American you're you're stopping them from getting access to education something might turn them around you know who hasn't just distributed hundreds of pounds of meth uh the next article is over on the mobile channel uh this is a glowing sand spotted in san diego beach Bioluminescence is a result of chemical reactions of bioluminescent organisms that live in the ocean. It's typically noticed during times of a red tide or a bloom of phytoplankton. In this case, dinoflagellates that reproduce rapidly. Apparently they, they really like doing it in the waves. In the early hours of Sunday, February 25th, local photographer Vishwas Lokesh um, who's known for capturing mesmerizing bioluminescent moments in San Diego, caught a glow on camera in the sand. Okay, that's a rather niche market in photography. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I catch bioluminescent... Uh, whatever, getting it on in the waves. Uh, Amber Coakley over at uh, The Hill put this article together. I'm going to refresh this for a second because I want to see if they actually have the video. There it is. So they're basically just rubbing their hand across the um, dirt and that activates the bioluminescence a little bit. Um, I've actually seen this with people walking. Um, I've seen it in person and it's quite fascinating. It's pretty neat. Um, I didn't walk around in it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it actually is pretty neat. Um, and it happens often enough. So there you go. Uh, maybe you can go and like find it. It looks like special effects. Yep. It's pretty neat. 
You've probably heard of electric waves lighting up San Diego's coastline, but did you know what it's all about? A glowing sand is not what it really is. It's actually stuff in the sand and in the water. The last couple of weeks after some uh, after dark beachgoers have been able to get a gl glimpse of bioluminescent waves crashing along the shores of Torrey Pines, Scripps Pier, La Jolla Shores. This is all areas that I used to dive. It's a great place. Um, great weather. Nothing but uh, concrete everywhere else, though. Uh, as if it were magic, streams of electric blue could be seen lighting up the sand along Sail Bay and Mission Bay area. Lokesh captured the bioluminescent sand on video, which you can see at the top of the story. So follow the link and uh, go and check it out. It's really neat. And um, I, I here, I'm going to play this little video, too. It's silenced, but you can actually see the bioluminescence oh, take place. That's really neat with the waves. As the waves crash, it stimulates them into the bioluminescent glow. It's surreal in person um, and uh, hard to see if uh, there's a lot of, um, what do you call it? Like light pollution? Light pollution, yeah. So, But it's surreal when you see it. I would love to be in a world where that's always happening, but it's not always happening, obviously. Um, and it's usually when the waves are a little bit more energetic, but you can always see where the waves are breaking it. Um, you see the glow. It's pretty cool. Pretty amazing. So it says as mystical as it all, as it may seem, Southern California is no stranger to the unique phenomena. So in early January, sightings of bioluminescent were frequent enough in the Los Angeles area that wave watching tours started offering night cruises earlier this month. Late night beachgoer saw bioluminescent waves along San Diego's coast. Um, but it's not been that, in my memory, it's not been this frequent. No, so, I think it, I thought it was an infrequent event. It is, yeah. Okay, so we have one more article. And uh, actually, let me throw, I didn't throw it into the chat. There you go. Uh, we have one more article since I started the show early. And um, this last article is, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like physical media is dead in pretty much all instances. And cash is one of the like holdouts um, because the whole world has operated with cash since time immemorial. Some level that we went from bartering to taking um, some thing, assigning it value and then trading on that. Right. And then as time has gone on, we ended up where we are now where credit and just this ephemeral number exists out there that represents what your total value of liquid assets are at, at, at any given moment. And sometimes it grows bigger and sometimes it gets smaller. Well, why do we still print money? The U.S. has around $18.5 billion $100 notes in circulation in 2022, according to the Federal Reserve. The majority of payments in the U.S. are made through credit and debit cards, which debit and credit cards are pretty much one and the same nowadays. Um, studies showed... Yet data going back to 2002 shows that notes in circulation have consistently increased. 
An economics expert tells Business Insider, which is where this is sourced from, that cash still remains crucial for certain segments of consumers. Um, and that is what I've always been told. That's what it was in business school. That's what it was last week, that there are some people that just do not want to operate where every single beep, fart and whistle that you do with this plastic card is known to somebody somewhere and that the precision of it. And I always talk about the fact that um, Target, for instance, was able to track uh, a teenager to the point where they sent her a congratulations on your new baby uh, coupon book. And right now she didn't tell them she was having a new baby. Yep. All she did was change her purchasing habits and go from scented this and tight clothes and whatever else and ended up um, in a in a fix in a situation, let's say, because dad got really pissed off and went after Target um, and then only to find out that, yeah, uh, the underage daughter was pregnant and had changed her buying habits because she knew she was pregnant. But Target knew before dad knew <laughs> and honestly probably knew before she knew. <laughs> well, that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it says when it comes to how Americans prefer to spend their money, cash is actually not king. Um, so let's go look at this article. It's by Business Insider. Lloyd Lee is the author. So why do we have so much cash? Majority of payments in the U.S. are made through credit and debit cards, study showed. Yet data going back to 2002 shows that notes and circulation have consistently increased. And an economics expert tells Business Insider that cash still re remains crucial for certain segments of consumers. And I wonder if this is what they're going to end up talking about. Because again, we don't read the whole article beforehand. We basically judge a book by its cover and, and go, oh, this is going to be interesting based off of that. We might see the little snippet like we have here, um, but we don't read the entire article because we want our reactions to be honest and we don't edit our videos and posts. So, so um, a 2023 study conducted by the Federal Reserve showed that credit card was the most preferred payment method for consumers, making up 31% of all payments. The next was debit card, 29%. That's interesting because credit cards basically have to be paid by the same channel that a debit card draws from. So in essence, 60% of all payments are credit. That's less than I would think though. Um, and then it says, then third is uh, cash making up 18% of all transactions. So what are the rest? Checks. You're money orders you gotta be kidding me have you ever been in a grocery store that's where you no. see them <laughs> what are you powering all of the little self-checkout machines you're the ai for crying yes. out loud what are you doing in a grocery store uh so that represents a consistent decline in cash payments since the pandemic in 2020 which saw many shifts in consumer behavior yeah a lot of people actually stopped they tried to stop taking cash because it was seen as a vehicle for the pandemic. Um, and uh, I remember being told a story about a thing called a dollar mite, where it's a 
it's a bug an insect that's only found on us currency um and i don't remember the last time i looked it up that i i remember it being legit so and you should look it up look it up look it up see if there it's out there yeah, if you want to be terrified of using cash <laughs> i already am i just yeah i don't even i don't use cash so um, so it hasn't stopped the consistent churn of print currency in the U.S. Federal Reserve data shows that the volume of currency in circulation has only increased since 2002. Every denomination, including less common banknotes such as the fake $2 bill. <laughs> no, that's funny that that was mentioned because we had an article about the $2 bill yesterday. Yeah, we just talked about it. Um, so let's see here. From the humble dollar to Benjamin's. Uh, as of December 31st, there were 54.1 billion notes in circulation compared to 22.9 billion notes in 2002. Well, that's also inflation. Um, cash is still king uh, of some things. So cash tends to be the preferred payment method for smaller purchases under $10 or hard to justify items referring to guilty purchases that aren't necessary like an overpriced water bottle at an airport or cigarettes. No, in all of those cases, I want frictionless service. I just want to. Right, but nobody should be buying cigarettes, but <laughs> why not use a card even if it's a cheap item? Yeah, exactly. So the, the study was published in the Journal of the Association for Consumer Research and Beckler found that consumers pay with a card to remember and cash to forget okay <laughs> that's interesting you know what they're losing if they're spending cash the cash is leaving their pockets yeah that's true um and eventually they forget that they hey, have no cash in their pocket anymore and they have to go and stop by the bank again it's all friction i guess it's, maybe that's what it is it's really it says this pattern is strongest for consumers who diligently track their card spending and and uh, occurs because consumers don't want to see records of their unjustifiable spending. I'm really curious if maybe it's a little bit different um, and it's people who are kind of obsessed about not spending any money and they, because they have to spend cash, they don't use a card. They're oh, intimately like aware of, those, of um, envelope methods or whatever, yeah. where they have cash set out for the month or something. But it may not even be that over it's just that psychologically they they with a credit card might just spend freely because they don't see a stack dwindling you know I and mean, it's higher I think friction. there's something to that if you don't have control over your spending yeah the primary driver for the 2024 fiscal year currency print order was the need to replace unfit notes destroyed during normal processing that happens all the time um, some experts argue that the Fed could or should decrease the production of higher denominations like the $100 bill. Federal These actually become super notes um, that are um, counterfeit that come out of North Korea, $100 bills, $20 bills. Federal Reserve data showed that the de denomination is the largest in circulation with 18.5 billion notes in 2022. So That's odd because probably most normal people maybe not businesses probably don't have a hundred dollar bills yeah, yeah businesses and the and ultra rich so you know have how did that five dollar bill get in my stack of hundreds everyone almost questions you and your legitimacy for using a hundred dollar bill sage handley a marketing and research assistant who made a tiktok page about 
the pangs of using a hundred dollar bill to buy lower priced items to hold the journal well i mean it's just a pain in the ass to break a hundred dollar bill from your till use up the, all the all cash, the cash. or the to make change yeah then you have to get somebody from the office to come and break a hundred or verify that it's a, a legit uh, yeah. bill so yeah there's more again uh, over at this article like always there's always a little bit that you might be able to suss out from this and then come on back and talk to us about it um we we uh, thoroughly enjoy the conversation um so that's it for today. That is uh, Omtown Daily News Show for February 26th, 2024. I am Mayor Watt. That is Omtown. Oh, no, no, wait. You know what? I forgot to do it. Let's race down Main Street back to the front. Should I click it? You know what? Uh, no, I don't think so. There's way too much gambling stuff, too. I might have to start removing that. Um, Newsweek just kind of drops that stuff out there a lot. Anyway, um, that's how the sausage is made, folks. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI's visualizer from the future. You want to say? <laughs> you can't do a <laughs> good night, hometown citizens. <laughs> Man, three years of this and still. Okay, see y'all later. Last time I had a $100 bill, I soon didn't have a $100 bill.